Cashflow Diary Podcast, episode 513. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leverage streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you are here today because here's the thing. When it comes down to becoming a real estate investor or a business owner or an entrepreneur, it is a process. It's not something like, you know, you just go, all right, today I'm this, tomorrow I'm that. But it kind of also is. Here's what I mean. Many of us out there, you have been thinking about how can I build more cash flow? How can I get out of my job? How can I have that business one day? I think my life should be more than what it currently is. And gosh darn it, I'm going to listen to this podcast and figure it out. And that's exactly why you're here. And I know that. In fact, today's guest knows that too, but he knows it in a very intimate way because that's exactly what he did. See, many of you out there, you've been in your job or your position or you've been in the corporate America for quite some time and you could feel a little, we'll say, stuck. And maybe now you're thinking, you know what? It's too late for me. I can't do it. I've been here too long. What else am I going to do? Well, today's guest is none other than Paul David Thompson. You may know him from his podcast, Ready Investor One. And most importantly, He made the transition. Yes, successful transition after 15 years in corporate America. So what does that mean for you? That means there's a chance. And he's going to share with us today exactly not only how he did it, how you can do it. And we're going to learn the lessons of what it takes to build cash flow because now he's also been helping others make that transition as well. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that, yes, while we're walking the dog and washing the dishes and on that treadmill today, we're going to make sure that we're paying attention. We're going to mark and bookmark the, the, the actual points that you hear that you're like, oh, I need to remember that later. And I know that that's going to happen for you. And when it does, I want you to make sure that you come back, that you take action, because we're going to listen and we're going to learn and let's get ready to love Paul Thompson. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for the intro. You're quite welcome. Uh, because at the end of the day, this is exciting for me when I get to hear individuals. Now, one of the questions I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I, I think there's a particular movie that you like, because when I look at the <laughs> title of your podcast, it makes me think of something, but we're, we're going to get to that in a moment. But before I go there, what I want to know um, is, well, I've got to ask, since this is the first time you're here, I've got to ask you the same question that uh, everybody else gets the first time that they're here. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I tend to look at today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes. For example, 
if you think about, you know, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, etc. But as a superhero, I can imagine myself flying around town and using our products and services, saving customers one at a time. That's kind of what we do as an entrepreneur. But also as an entrepreneur, you know, what also happens is, well, we have a beginning. If you think about Spider-Man, for example, there was a time when he was just a kid going to school, trying to mind his own business, earn some extra pizza money, take MJ out on a date even. And then one day he gets bit by a spider, discovers that he's got a superhuman ability and he gets to now choose, am I going to use this new skill for good or for evil? So my question to you is as follows. Before your podcast, Ready Investor One, before your real estate portfolio, before leaving corporate America, before helping and coaching and training individuals and helping them make their transitions, what we want to know is, who is Paul David Thompson? Well, thank you for that opportunity. I was or am a normal, um, average person. I, I don't have any, the, the raw materials that I'm working with is probably very similar to everybody who's listening. I'm not a savant or anything special. I worked in a corporate America job. I was a computer engineer and worked my way up the corporate ladder. And I realized on that way up that corporate ladder that my ladder was against the wrong wall, but it kind of took me a while to figure out what to do about it. I, I looked for alternatives and I was short on ideas. I just didn't know what to do. I knew I needed to invest, start a business, do something different than just always depending on that single income because I, my wife doesn't work. We choose for her not to work so she can be home with our kids. I knew I needed to find a, a way out. So I, I knew I was vulnerable. My, my wife had, doesn't work. She, she stays at home with the kids. So what could I do to figure out a way to replace my income? And I considered looking at a lot of different avenues. I started, I thought about starting an insurance agency or buying a franchise. And in all those scenarios, I couldn't help but feel like I was just going to be buying myself another job, jumping from the proverbial frying pan into the fire. I'm not sure which of it would have been worse. So I decided to do go down the path of buying real estate because I could take one property down at a time and I could use leverage without having to use all of my saved capital and I could use creative financing, use some of the techniques I've been studying on how to acquire assets that pay me now versus a lot of the qualified retirement plans that people get into, including me, where you can't easily tap into it until you're much older. So I was in my mid thirties and well, or 37. So I guess I was pretty close to being old and I, <laughs> <laughs> but I was bankable. I knew I was yeah. bankable and that's what allowed me to use some of that leverage to buy properties. And I think in, in once I, the momentum started chain, started building, I, uh, if you go back and look at it, I think I bought 18 properties in the first 18 months. Mm. And that, and that sounds like a lot, but it, people have done more than that, certainly, but that sounds like a lot, but it, it didn't feel like a lot because I was just thinking about taking one step at a time. Yeah, no, I, I like all of that because what it comes down to is, there usually is a catalyst that gets us started and we have to <laughs> take what we can sometimes and, and and where we can with what we have in order to just start moving. What I like about what you're, you're sharing is once you started moving, you just kept moving. Now, 
I, I have a couple of questions because I, I know that there's some people who are, are probably thinking some of the same things that you did because I find it curious that you considered things like an insurance agency or, or franchises, et cetera, but yet you decided that, you know, real estate was the one. What was there something that you didn't like about an insurance agency or the franchises? Uh, the the risk associated with it was whoa too whoa 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 for me. Oh, hold on hold on hold on what do you mean the, ri- the but there's risk associated with real estate isn't it not just as uncertain um y- y- it can be uncertain and there there is absolute risk with any sort of investment mm-hmm. but I could buy one property in my mm-hmm. case the first property I bought was thirty thousand dollars and if that went completely bust I could have recovered from it. But when you go out into the business world, I, I couldn't make that gradual transition. I couldn't build my bridge as, as I went mm. and with with a business oftentimes, not always, but certainly with the ones I was talking about. You basically have to sever your employment and then jump off the edge of the cliff and build your, your flight or your plane on the way down. Got it. Now I understand. Now I understand. All right. That, that, that makes a lot more sense to me because, uh, yeah, there's no like – Hey boss, I'm I'm gonna be over here at the insurance agency on Wednesday, so <laughs> you right. know, yeah, I, I get that. Now that makes a lot more sense because there's a lot of people who, and I'm sure you know this, that, that there's a lot of people who are wanting what you currently experience. They're they're hoping to like make that transition. So I, I've got to ask the question: What was that day like when you go? All right, because you you may have said it many times before. I, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna start this. But there came that one day where you actually like did it. What was that like? That's right. Well, we I have discovered this now um, after the fact when I've done some more reading. But to any way to make any sort of lasting behavioral change, neuroscientists have figured out that it's one of three things. It's you have some sort of epiphany, you change your environment or you take baby steps. And and for most people who are in a similar situation to me is you need that epiphany. And for me, that epiphany was a very specific beach vacation that I took one summer with my kids. And I can remember the day so clearly that my kids were asking me if they could stay longer. And I just told them absolutely no, can't be done because daddy has to go back to work. And I remember getting packed up in the van and driving off and I was pissed off and I could see the, the beach in my rearview mirror kind of receding. And in that same view, my kids were behind me in the rearview mirror and I, I, they were just resigned to their fate. And I thought to myself, you know, what am I teaching my kids? Mm. Um, I want to, I, I, the, the discovery I made was that I never want to ask permission again to be able to spend more time with my family. And how can I create a way where I'm in control, where I have the, the, the freedom to say, no, yep, if you want to stay longer, we're staying longer. And fast forward, after I was severed from my job three years later and had a portfolio of income producing properties, we went on a two week trip to Costa Rica and we just slowed down. It was the first time that I ever took a trip out you know, our vacation that was longer than 10 days that I had to fit between that natural vacation time we take in corporate America. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, 
I love stories exactly like that because that's that's actually what that's part of what got me irritated too was just asking for time off to take care of my sick my sick daughter. She, you know, why do I have to beg to go to school to pick her up? I mean, that that should not be a thing that we have to deal with, but it is a reality. And I like the fact that you 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 boiled it down to what am I teaching the kids? Because as a as a parent. You, we are teaching them something. So let me ask you this. When it comes to the lessons that you are learning and have learned as an entrepreneur, uh, there's something that parents often do. We often tell our kids, you can be anything that you want. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that today? Saying that to your kids now. Well, I, I, I practice it now. So I actually believe it. And I, and more important, I, I, I model it. Mm-hmm. So kids do what they see, not what they hear. And so it's really important to me that now when my kids come home from school about three o'clock every day, I'm here. I mean, I'm at the house and yeah. they're 11 and eight. And so I only have, you know, eight or eight to 10 years left with each one of them while they're in the house and they're in their formative years. And I want them to look back on that time and remember that daddy was home and why he was home because kids don't really care about what you're doing to earn income. They, they don't think that way. They want to know how much time they're you're spending with them. That's all they really care about. Yeah, totally understood. Totally understood. The um. So here's the thing. Today, you you're this person. You you've transitioned, but there's one more piece of that transition that I know a number of people are dealing with, or will deal with, or hope to deal with, and they're thinking about it. And you know, because typically on a Sunday. You know, you're during the morning, you're fine. But around, say, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., you start thinking about, oh, my God, tomorrow's Monday. Um, And, well, you don't have to deal with that anymore. So what I want to know, what was it like that first Monday morning when you wake up and realize I actually don't have to go to work? Oh, it was delightful. Um, it, I have actually a really good story about that because I was actually laid off from my job. So the Thursday before Thanksgiving one year, I get the the call from my boss that says, you know, let's have a quick sync up. And the way it was done, I, I, like he kind of tipped his hand to me a little bit. So I had about 10 minutes notice to think, you know, I think this might be the time that I'm getting laid off because the, the company I was with wasn't doing really well. And I was in kind of middle management. And I had had several of those uncomfortable conversations with people where I had to walk them out. Mm. And I was about to be that guy on the other end of that, of, of that. And sure enough, had the meeting and they said, you know, thank you for your service, but your services are no longer needed. Here's a box. And then they air unceremoniously walk you out with your box of all your stuff. So, and, and you know, you think about that, that feeling of carrying out this box of all these, these personal possessions that you've had in this, in this company for, you know, eight, 10, nine years, however long I was there. And I mean, you pour your heart and soul into that, that, that place. And then just, you know, that, that relationship that you thought you had is just not there anymore. And, but it, for, for me, it was the fourth best day of my life after marrying my wife and having each of my two kids, because that was the day that I was, I was comfortable. I was free because I'd already been planning for it. And in fact, I'd already written my resignation letter and I was planning on quitting the following January. So they just <laughs> move things up by two months. Yeah. And so to your question um, of the following Monday, so that was on a Thursday when I was laid off. And so we went to a, a cabin here in the Ozarks. I'm in Arkansas and the Ozarks are a very beautiful area where they have lots of cabins. 
and we went to the cabins. It was a nice, clear, crystal day. It was chilly, and we just had a fireplace, and it was just really nice. And we stayed through the next Monday. And that Monday, I would have normally been going to work leading up to Thanksgiving, and I didn't. And I didn't have to worry about the TPS reports. I didn't have to worry about getting to the, the eight o'clock meeting that I had every day that we had to do all this check in, make sure you know all the outages were not were not a problem. I just hadn't have to do it anymore. And I have never looked back. I, I I am now certifiably unemployable. I could not go back to the corporate world. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Once you've had a taste of the the freedom and realizing that I. I can do this. It 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 makes lots of things very challenging. I mean, it, but this is good. I like it 100%. So let me ask this question. Now that um you you know, you're on the other side, talk to us about that that first transaction. How did that go down? What did that feel like? What was that like? Um what what techniques did you use, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Sure thing. So, uh, one of the very first, when I went down this, this, this real estate, um, rabbit hole, uh, one of the very first influencers that I found was Jay Massey. Uh, you're, you were very <laughs> present out there and I listened to your podcast. And one of the things that you talk about a lot was how to raise private money. And I knew that's a direction that I wanted to go. So I went on the bigger pockets and I went to every, uh, RIA meeting that I could find. And I met a local wholesaler that had a deal. And I went to bigger pockets and I found uh, somebody nearby that had was looking to lend money, but they were not real comfortable on how to do it. Mm. I said, well, I've done the research. I know exactly how to do it. I have the note. I have the mortgage. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I've got this figured out. So I pieced it all together and I bought the property for $30,000, including the assignment fee, and borrowed all the money from the private money lender. And then I put 10,000 of my own money into the, into the property to rehab it. And then I, I refinanced it and pulled the $40,000 back out, paid myself back and paid back the private money lender. And my, my note on that is like, you know, 250 bucks and my payment or, or my rent for that property is 650 and I still have it today. <laughs> you know, there are some people who are listening in other parts of the world going, I am now mad at you, Paul. <laughs> they're like, my car payment's more than that house. So um, I, I totally got that. Totally got that. Now, after you got the first one done, how long until you got the second one? Like two weeks later. So I love um, that. Obviously, it took me longer than two weeks to get all the the refi done. But I was I was very confident. I'd already talked to all the bankers and I'd refinanced my personal house before, so I I was comfortable with that process. And I, I felt very comfortable buying properties at that. I mean, not everybody in not every market has properties at that price point, obviously. But I happen uh, to be no. in, in the southeast where the, in, the, in the Midwest, you, uh, that these areas outside of some of the major metropolitan areas, the, the, the numbers just work. You don't have to work too hard to find the 1% or better deal. And so I just kept buying little properties like that. And as I've expanded and gotten more savvy, my criteria has become stricter. Mm-hmm. But once you pop that Pringles can, I mean, and you taste, <laughs> and you taste it, you just can't eat one chip. And you, once you buy one property and it's cash flowing, it's just so easy to buy another one. And so I, and I, in the first two months, I think I bought 10 properties and then, I, then I slowed down and wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting ahead of myself. And I want to make sure that everything I'd planned was actually going to happen. And then after that, I probably bought 
a property a month for the next year or two. Now, uh, for, so that we're really clear, in my neck of the woods, uh, $30,000 is not even the closing cost. But that's a whole other story. Right. Uh, so, but I, I have a question. Because you're fundamentally changing how you see the world as you go through this transformation. And then this happens for everybody. What are the new ways of thinking? How do you interact differently with, with money, with life, with your wife, with kids? How has this transition affected other areas of your life in, in, in positive and or negative ways? Oh, I'm really glad you asked that question because I have actually I've codified the, the mindset that I have developed around mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and most of the stuff that we're told, taught growing up, they're, they're just wrong. And so the one thing, whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk- hold on, say that again. <laughs> There's somebody who they, they, they were they were washing the dishes, they tripped over the dog, they did they need to hear that. Say that again. Hey guys, thanks for listening as always, and I'm glad that you continue to support with each and every download and subscription and share. One of the things that I want to ask you though is where are you listening to me from right now? I know some of you, maybe you're on a treadmill, maybe you're washing dishes, maybe you're walking that dog, and some of you are actually in a vehicle driving right now. One of the fun things that you can do, get some of your time back, is begin to living a car-free existence. But even then, it can be a little complicated. So one of the things that I want you to do is I want you to go over to Zipcar. Go to joinzipcar.com forward slash cash flow diary. It's a way that I am able to still go get a car just for a few hours very, very simply so that if I have a lot of errands to run and sheets to drop off and running to the short-term rentals or if I just want to go for a long trip up to LA and back, etc., I can rent a car for a very, very short period of time. And the cool part is I don't even have to pay for any gas. Again, go to joinzipcar.com forward slash cash flow diary. What you're being taught by your formal education is well intended in most cases, but it's not a lot, a lot of it about money specifically is not right. You're being taught to be an order taker and to finance all your consumer activities. Mm-hmm. And I've switched my mindset around so that now, the number one thing that people mess up is that they think that time is equal to money. We hear, we hear the cliche all the time. It sounds right. Time is money. Time is money. Only if you're not an entrepreneur do you think that way. Um, the, the proper way to think about it is to learn to separate time from money. If you always think about your time as equal to money, then you'll never be wealthy. The, the way to become, to crack that code is to switch your mindset and recognize that your your the, the money is in the money. The, the, the money is not in the time. You, you have only have so much time to put out there. And so, but Warren Buffett has the same amount of time that you and I do. But if I were to ask you to switch places with him, w- would you, for all the money in the world that he has, would you switch places with him? Of course not. Because you have time on your side and you use that time to set up systems that then scale that doesn't require your activity anymore. So separating time from money. That's why building businesses and having assets that are working for you versus because I don't go to work anymore. So people ask me all the time, how are you making money? And, and they just don't understand that I don't make money. My money makes money. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I, there's just so many fundamental things that um, this transition has been for me. 
uh, and that I hear for others is that that continually happens. That it's just so universal, regardless of what country you're listening to us in right now. I, I just want to say these principles are the same everywhere. And what it comes down to is, are, are you willing to go out there and make it happen now? Paul, as as you've gone and grown through this process, you're you're making another transition because some people, you know, what they do is they go and they put, you know, all their effort, they build their business, they they get their slice uh, of the pie, so to speak, and then they ride off into the sunset. But that hasn't been enough for you. You're now uh, producing content and helping other people and 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 helping them make that same transition. So uh, I'm curious where that motivation comes from. The the motivation is that I have found that my my zone of genius is learning new information, curating it down into bite-sized chunks and sharing it with people so they can make transformations in their lives. Uh, real estate, for example, is probably not my zone of genius. It's it's probably a zone of excellence for me. I'm good at it and I can excel at it. But real estate itself is just a black box for me. It was a bridge to get to the other side of abundance. Mm-hmm. And now that I have a life of abundance, I want to empower as many people to build their own bridges across from the side of scarcity to the side of abundance. <laughs> oh, I've never heard anyone say it so well and be like so similar to myself ever. Uh, so that I love that 100%. Now, your the name of your podcast is Ready Investor One. I think there's a particular movie that you you like. I, I, am I am I guessing correctly? Yes, it is definitely a a play on the the book and subsequent movie called uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, got it. Okay, so I'm curious help help me understand the similarities between the the, the thought process between the the movie and your podcast because I, I I just find it I'm curious. Sure. So the the idea behind my podcast, Ready Investor One, is that I'm trying to always teach somebody how to invest. And when you're thinking about investments, you're you are a player in a game, and our game is investing. And so you want to take that individual approach of what can I do to help invest in myself, invest in my network, and invest in in assets so that I can acquire things that are paying for my lifestyle. And, and I happen to like the, the play on kind of the eighties references. I'm a, I'm a child of the eighties. And so it just thought it was a fun little play on words. Got it. Got it. I, I, I knew it had something to do with it. And I'm like, I, there's no way he randomly <laughs> came up with that without thinking about the movie. So yeah. I, I had to know, but you, one of the things that I have found, okay, in, in assisting individuals and in helping them get started in various different ways is that they always think about someday or tomorrow or one day. It's always in the future. What are some things that you have discovered what people could do today, right now, that would begin to make a difference or prepare them? Like, I mean, you took the time to be prepared. You were like, you know what, the moment they lay me off, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. What could they do to put themselves in that same or similar position? Well, I talk about investing a lot, and I don't always just mean money when I'm talking about that. So you should always be investing in your in yourself. That's the, you, you are your greatest asset. So you want to invest in yourself, and you want to develop a – a, a stack of talents and abilities so so that you have the intellectual aptitude, the intellectual acumen to 
deploy ideas into the marketplace. So when you're investing in yourself, you're, you know, I just think of it as input in, output out. So the more I take in, which is what you're doing in this podcast, that's a good start. Lots of books, lots of YouTube channels, lots of courses, lots of conferences. Invest in yourself so that you have the tools available to you to then go out into the marketplace and start a business or buy a franchise or start real estate. Whatever your chosen path is, you got to start with yourself first. And second, you want to develop a strong relationship. You need to upgrade your friends. Most of the people that you're around, um, they're they're good people and, and they mean well in, in almost every case. But they are following the same default behavior that in life plan that we've all been given, which is to go to college, get a get a job, and then work for 40 years and pay your mortgage off. That worked uh, 20, 30 years ago or 50 years ago. That was the baby boomers plan and, and it worked then. That is not the safe approach to do anymore. That is, I think, the riskier approach now. You have to find alternative sources of income so that you can replace you having to rely on your personal income and getting around other people who are doing the same thing by going to conferences. By uh, One of the reasons I started a podcast is I wanted to meet and have interesting conversations. I want to meet good people, have interesting conversations, and as a result, I cannot predict the outcome of that but I just feel like it'll always be good. <laughs> You're giving away my secrets now. <laughs> <laughs> have you not met, met the most interesting people that, oh, I mean, how else would you have called some of the people you've talked to? Yeah, that's without it, exactly. A, a platform. 100%. 100%. It is definitely open doors that, uh, one, I didn't even know existed, let right. alone uh, gave me the ability to to walk through. Now, you mentioned the concept or the idea of default behavior, and and I agree with you. There's a lot of us who are living by default versus design. So my my question is, is what's your new default behavior? That's interesting because I've never put it that way, but I like the question because my default behavior now is is I spend probably the first two or three hours a day investing in me and primarily on my mindset and the language that I have and that, that record that plays in our minds all the time. Mm. It's really important to, to uninstall what you've gotten from your, your culture and your upbringing and install the right sort of thinking. So I, I, I think we have all have kind of like three keystone behaviors that we should be working on. Mm. And these keystone habits, have the profound effect on the rest of us. And it starts with reading and, and, and it can be um, listening to, to a Kindle book or anything like that, but reading books, somebody who has had the time to sit down and think through a book and write it is tends to be a richer content than even podcasts or blog articles. I like reading books. I love podcasts. I love reading blog articles, but we need to be reading more and more. Second is meditation and call it what you want. Meditation has this weird word, has a weird connotation to it. It's stopping and thinking about your focus. And so where your awareness is, is where your energy flows. So you always think about when you have a few quiet moments to yourself, you can think of it as prayer. You can think of it as just a time of silence, but think on one thing, whether it be your breath or a prayer or an incantation. And whenever your mind slips, which it invariably will, the exercise of adjusting that focus back to, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. 
oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing, is an exercise that has been practiced for millennia and has profound impacts on every other part of your life. And third is exercise. And I don't mean like bust yourself out and, you know, hurt yourself or be crazy, but just a little bit of body movement. I do like kettlebells, like 25 kettlebell swings. That, that's not a full workout, but it's my body's moving. I get my, my, my energy up and I'm able to be a much more present person when I do a little bit of exercise. Got it. Love it. 100%. Now, for those that have listened this far and are like, man, I, I like this Paul guy. He's really cool. And want to find out more about what you've got going on or, or looking to take their next steps in their transition. What's going to be the best way for them to catch up with you? Well, sure thing. My website is pauldavidthompson.com, the way you would imagine those three names are spelled. And then you, for listeners here, I'll have a special giveaway at Cashflow Diary. So Paul David Thompson slash Cashflow Diary. I have a free ebook on how to create offers that sellers can't resist that I give away to anybody who's interested. And I'm also launching a book in March that was talking about my journey from escaping the corporate world. I like the word escape. There are so many people who are looking to join you on on that uh, on that journey for sure. So uh, as we wind down, I've got a final question for you because I'm kind of curious to hear your answer. Um, and here's what I know. I know that someone has gained the faith during this conversation as they've been listening. They've gotten more and more excited. They're like, you know what? That's it. Maybe that this was their epiphany, that you gave them their epiphany, and now they're ready to make that change. They're at what I like to call the precipice of decision. And, well, we often have a companion, Paul, when we're at that precipice, and I'm sure you're very, very familiar with it because that companion comes in the form of a voice, and it's a voice that reminds us of why it won't work, how it didn't work last time, and oh my God, what are you going to do because you aren't ready for that? I mean, you're going to you're gonna do what? You're going to open a bit? No, not you. <laughs> and for some people, they're related to that voice. So my question to you is as follows. Let's pretend that this time it's going to be different. This time they're actually going to follow through. They're going to listen to you, Paul, and do exactly what you suggest. So my question is simple. What should they do? You want to start small and create the most fundamental baby step of your path. You choose your path. You got to do that first. If it's going to be investing in the stock market, it's going to be starting or um, buying property, or if it's going to be buying or starting a business, you choose one of those three paths. Those are the fundamental three paths to freedom. Then you create the most fundamental basic step towards that. And so if that is buying real estate, then you figure out what it's going to take for you to make an offer. And you measure one thing only. And it's how many offers are you making? And anything that is in your way is your task. If you don't feel like you have the ability to raise the money, then you go learn how to raise the money. If you don't feel like you're bankable or you haven't talked to a bank yet to get qualified, you go talk to a banker. And you actually track for 100 days one step that you're doing consistently consistency beats intensity it's very easy to get all revved up after this epiphany <laughs> you want this consistency so try and keep the, the the 100 days in line of doing one thing i don't care if it is simply making a phone call to a banker that is one step you can give yourself a check mark never miss twice if you never miss twice you will find yourself at the place of abundance within five to ten years i love it 100 percent. i appreciate 
your practical no nonsense just straight do this it's very you know uh analytical but yet predictable and methodical with you which uh makes it attainable for so many individuals and i definitely appreciate the the change that you're making uh the example that you're setting and for taking the time to share your knowledge your wisdom as well as your insight here with us today at the cashflow diary well thank you for having me on here it's been a privilege All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean? Well, today that means get over to pauldavidthompson.com forward slash cashflow diary. Grab a copy of that book, but don't just grab it. Read it, then do it. Because at the end of the day, nothing is going to change until some action looks different in your own life. Also, remember, we apparently learned that 37 is on the brink of old, but consistency beats intensity. And I really, really like that. So take that with you today. Make sure that you go out there and take one measurable action step, something that we could see that you are on your own journey. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun talking to you today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time. 